Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Baseball America College Podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill. Joining me today again is Joe Healy. Joe, we are at the end of October. Uh, we're, we're, college baseball season is creeping closer. We've got some fall workouts going in, but importantly, Halloween is this week, and we're going to we're going to have a little Halloween-themed segment later in the show. How excited are you for Halloween? Well, it, it's kind of a neat holiday. I mean, I, I'm not big myself on Halloween, but I, I do try to have a little bit of, little bit of fun with it. I, I really like it, though. I think we talked about this a little bit on previous podcasts because I think of Halloween as kind of the gateway into the holiday season, uh, which is kind of more my jam, big Thanksgiving guy, big Christmas guy. Uh, so those really get me excited. And, you know, at the risk of kind of, looking a little too far out, you mentioned the, the college baseball season kind of creeping up on us. And I always think of Halloween as kind of a, a marker where, okay, most people are kind of wrapping up or getting close to wrapping up their fall workouts. And before you know it, we're looking at Thanksgiving. And then after Thanksgiving, here comes Christmas and New Year's. And, and really, by the time you get to New Year's, uh, you know, you're, you're right there uh, with practice starting not long after that. And we start obviously going into heavy preview mode uh, around that time. And then really the legwork goes even prior to that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's coming pretty quick. And I think Halloween is usually the point where I kind of like stand up and take notice of that and think, Oh my goodness, here we go. So at the risk of, of causing us both anxiety here, um, <laughs> that was not my intention, but here we are. That's kind of how I think from a college baseball standpoint, I think of Halloween, but, um, no, it's kind of a cool thing. I loved it as a, as a, as a kid. I think I was as a kid predisposed to kind of enjoying Halloween because I grew up in one of those kind of prototypical like uh, suburbs of a big city where, you know, the, the kids in the neighborhood could get out and walk around and go door to door. And I know, you know, living in a rural community now, like trunk or treats are a big deal or like merchant nights where you go to the businesses and trick or treat at the businesses on the square is kind of a big thing. So I'm kind of glad that I grew up where I did, where I got that traditional trick or treating experience as opposed to a situation where I would have had to like get in the car and drive somewhere to go trick or treat around the town square, what have you. I just think maybe that would not have been uh, as pleasant an experience as what I had as a kid. Yeah. First of all, Halloween supposed to be spooky, whatever, but no, the, the real scary day is the hundredth day until opening day when all the programs tweet out a hundred days away. And I'm like, Oh my God, how much work do I have to do? in these next hundred days to get ready for opening day. That's right. coming soon. But yeah, Halloween, it's a fun time. Uh, as a kid, I was, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I never really got that into the costume aspect, I don't think. Uh, the candy was always nice, uh, but trying to think up costumes was not my forte. Uh, I would often repeat costumes. And uh, then later, uh, you know, in, in high school and college more um it got to the point where i would really just like put on a, a tie and, and my sport coat and whatever i could say like topically like movie wise or, or, or maybe some of those happening in current events i would generally just say i was somebody 
that made sense at the time wearing a tie. That was kind of where I was at in terms of uh, in terms of dressing up by that point in life. But we're going to have some Halloween costume ideas. Contrary to what I just said, I now think of college baseball costume ideas. And so we're going to talk about that a little later in the show. But first, we have North Carolina first baseman Aaron Sabato. He's going to join us on the podcast. Well, he's going to join me, uh, Joe uh, was unable to participate in the interview. So he's going to join me, and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, North Carolina going into this season. Uh, kind of an interesting transition, transitionary time for the Tar Heels uh, after that big junior class uh, moved on to pro ball, of course, that, that helped them reach Omaha two years ago, and then this year uh, returned to Super Regionals uh, before being upset by Auburn uh, at home and very disappointing finish to the season for a team that, that really wanted to get back to Omaha and kind of uh, make its mark out there. Uh, but Aaron Sabato is back, and he's one of the best power hitters in the country. You may have seen a video of him on Twitter hitting a home run to dead center off of a tee uh, to the, off the batter's eye, well up the batter's eye, uh, which at UNC, I believe, is a 430-foot shot. Uh, very, very impressive uh, work from, from Sabato. And, you know, he'll be up there among the nation's home run leaders this spring, I would very much expect. And uh, he's also a draft-eligible sophomore, which makes him, uh, you know, a lot of scouts are going to be looking at him this spring, and it's going to be interesting to see how they evaluate him, uh, you know, just how he winds up fitting into the draft process. But North Carolina going to be counting on him uh, to kind of uh, anchor the, the, the middle of the order this year, especially with Michael Bush moving on to, uh, to pro ball. Uh, before we get to the get to Aaron, I want to uh, mention Head of the Class, Baseball America's new college book, will be out this fall. Excuse me, we have sent it to the printers, uh, but you can pre-order at store.baseballamerica.com. And Head of the Class looks back at the last 40 years of college baseball, all of the best players, the best teams, uh, just a look at. Everything uh, college baseball related over the last 40 years, uh, I, I think that anyone in, listening to a college baseball podcast in October would get something out of the book, whether it's a trip down memory lane uh, or, or just learning about some of these, these great teams and, and, and great players in the past. And of course, there are plenty of Tar Heels uh, in there for, for those of you who are, are here specifically for the Aaron Sabato portion. Uh, you know, the rise of North Carolina over the last 15 years is certainly uh, one of the things that is is chronicled in the book. And, you know, players like like Andrew Miller and, um, you know, leading up to, to the present day with, with with these great North Carolina teams over over Mike Fox's tenure here, especially. But but going back before to uh, to what Mike Roberts was able to do with the program as well. One of the, the classic class programs of the ACC. So again, you can pre-order that book at store.baseballamerica.com. Uh, and so now, like, uh, we might as well get right to this. Aaron Sabato, sophomore at North Carolina, coming off of a very impressive freshman season. Aaron, we just, uh, we're happy to talk with you uh, here on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. I mean, thank you for inviting me to talk and uh, be on the podcast. Well, like I said, you had a pretty impressive freshman season, an All-American, um, one of the candidates for uh, freshman of the year, uh, what enabled you, do you think, to come in and have as much success at the plate as you did uh, right away for, for the Tar Heels? 
I mean, I think just coming off a like through high school, I think the always thing that like I harped on was being able to like swing at strikes and take balls. And I think like coming here and and working with like Coach uh, Weirs Vicky um, every day, like day in day out, and uh, really just being able to focus on like certain strengths and really improve those, and also just trusting him and pointing out different weaknesses and being able to like get every day and get better and better in order to like be who I am out in the field and play at my best. So you guys uh, end the season in Super Regionals, disappointing loss to Auburn, of course. What then did uh, did, did you do with the, the rest of your summer? Um, the rest of my summer, I actually, actually got hurt. Uh, I got hurt during the uh, during one this series against NC State. So over the um, over the summer, I had got surgery, and so I was off for off for the summer. So I really didn't get to play summer ball this year. So now you're you're back uh, in fall. What how uh, how's that process been? Just being able to get back and, and ready to play. I mean, it, it's been awesome. I mean, being away from especially playing baseball since I was three years old, I mean, being away from the game for about I mean, months at a time, really, and it's nothing that like, I'm used to. So being able to get back and be with all the teammates and, my, and all the new guys and just being like part of the team again is takes a burden off my shoulders from just like watching everybody in it. It makes me feel like I'm back part of the team and doing stuff, even if I can't do stuff fully. But, I mean, now I'm back. I mean, I'm thrown again. I'm, I'm hitting again. I mean, it's just it's been awesome now that I'm, I'm back. Absolutely. And we, we saw a video of you that uh, North Carolina posted on Twitter uh, hitting <laughs> yeah. a home run off a tee off of the batter's eye, something like 430 feet away. First of all, just how did that feel? Um, I mean, that felt really good because obviously, like, I mean, I've never been really hurt before, and you come back and there's all these questions of are you going to be able to back? Am I, am I going to have my, my strength, my power, and just, like, little stuff like that. I mean, especially coming off, like, the year and you, you're feeling good about yourself and then you get hurt and, and, and now it's like a blank slate, but having like being able to come back and do that, something that I could never do before, like even before I was hurt. So, it, it, I mean, it's awesome. Cause like it answers questions that you thought would never be answered until like you can't, until you never know and you can't control that stuff. So being able to go out there and, and realize that like that is something I can do. And it, it was only a matter of time. Like, I mean, it just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome. Was that a one-time thing? Is that a drill you do a lot? Just what was that really? Um, it was uh, my first time actually on the field. So my progression back for key work, like to get back into hitting uh, that our trainer like drew up was, it was I, my first swing through, it was supposed to be off the tee and I got back and it was out, practice was ending and it was like six, it was like really late at night. It was like six o'clock. Like I had the late practice. And Coach Fox was like, do you want to just do your key work out here? And I was like, yeah, sure, I guess. And so I took, like, the first couple of swings, and I ended up, like, hitting a couple out to the opposite field. And oh, I guess I'm, like some of the guys were talking about it. And TJ, our media guy, ended up ended up asking me about it. And he said, like, he's like, let's do – he's like, let's just shoot a video of you hitting a couple, and, and maybe we could post it online. And I was like, yeah, sure. So that's, I mean, that's how that came about. <laughs> well, it, it was a, a very impressive swing for you, and uh, I know something else you, you're working on, you've been working on, um, really since you got to UNC, is your defense. Just 
Mm-hmm. Um, how, uh, how do you feel like that progression has been, uh, you know, over the last year? I mean, I think it's been, it's been amazing. I mean, I've learned stuff through all the coaches here that I, I've never learned in my entire life. And I'm not even close to the defender that I was before. I mean, I'm, I'm a totally different guy in the field now. Like playing first base, I play with like a lot more confidence. I mean, coming through high school, like you playing shortstop and then you get to college and, and the shortstops don't look like I do and they're quicker, <laughs> they're faster. And then you get to a position like playing first and you think it's easy. But there's just like so much that I realized that I didn't know, and like and I got like exposed for it. And so like it was either it was either like focus on hitting and only be a hitter and only be a DH. But like that's that's not what I wanted to do, and that's not who I wanted to be as a baseball player. And so it just took a lot of time of like early work of hours before the game and hours after practice and just asking a coach just to hit me extra ground balls. And I'm ten times a better defender than I was last year. This fall, you guys also had the opportunity to go down to the Dominican Republic as a team um, for, for several days. What was that experience like for you, and, and what, what did you uh, take away from that trip? I mean, that, that trip was, was something that I'll never forget for my entire life. I mean, the, when we got down there, the first thing we did was we went to, uh, we went to an orphanage, and it was called Presito de Jesus, and it was just a, it was just a little girl's orphanage, and and just, I mean, it's really eye-opening. Like, it's it's locked in from the outside. Um, everything around it is just really, really poor areas. And these girls have been abandoned, left. I mean, it was just something that, like, we never really experienced here. And it's something that I think we overlook of just realizing of how tough it is, of these girls not knowing where their next meal is and how they're going to, what clothes they're going to wear and, and, like, what they're going to do for the for their day and how they're going to get money or get food or hang with friends or just play even little games. I mean, it was it was an unbelievable experience. We got to do a clinic with with uh, some of the baseball players in the, in like the local areas. And although we didn't speak, uh, like one of the biggest things we learned was like although like we couldn't really speak their language, one of the uh, one of the, the tour guides said he's like he's like he's like they know what love is and and like. That was really eye-opening in the fact that, like, no matter what we did, the fact that we spent time with them and, and like, showed them love and, like, cared for them and, and like, in the other day, like, we did give them stuff, but, like, they knew, like, the impact that we had on them was way bigger than, like, anything that we could have done here and, or anything that they get down there. So, I mean, it was just really eye-opening. Like, we just take little things for granted that we have here that they really don't have and that would be so useful for them. Absolutely. Like, well- one of the things that kind of stands out to me anytime I, I talk with anyone that, that's gone on a trip like this is just how much, like, yeah, you guys play games down there or whatever, but the, mm-hmm. the off-the-field stuff seems like that that's what really hits home with the, and, and that's what, what you guys are going to remember going forward. Yeah, I'm in no doubt. Um, you know, and, and you are playing, though, and uh, what, what was it like to play uh, some of the Dominican teams? Because I, I know they play a little bit different style than what, what we're used to up here. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was really cool. Like one of the one of the things that we played, we actually got to play one of the Seattle Mariners like academy team, and like one of the things that they praised us for was our ability to like control the zone. And they said how like their their type of style is like they're aggressive, they love to swing, they love to put the bat on the ball, and like something that we harp at UNC is like take uh, swing at strikes and take balls. 
And it's really interesting to see how, like, if we can control the game at, at UNC, like, and we can get guys on and move guys over and not really so much play, like, play for the long ball, but more of just, like, as a team, it's so different than how, like, they were complimenting on us on, like, the ability to take walks when, like, all they, all they, like, they love to do, like, they love to hit, they love to run. And, like, it, it, it's, it's cool. It's interesting to see how, like, the game that we play, like, we both, like, all of us play baseball, but the way that we play, like, how they would compliment us on, which is, it was really cool. Absolutely. You know, as we look to 2020 for the Tar Heels, I know there was some uh, some pretty significant talent in the lineup that, that moved on, including Michael Bush. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that you're probably going to be more of a focus for opposing teams. Uh, do you have to change anything because of that? Or do you, do you just want to stay within yourself and, and not worry about that kind of thing? No, I, mean, I think I just want to stay within myself. I think when you start trying to overthink things and, and try to think about what pitches or what what pitches are they going to throw me more or what am I not going to see? I feel like then you just get out outside of yourself. And I feel like that's why I'm, when, when things really start to go wrong, it's like when you try to be somebody that you're not. So I think mean, going up there and just controlling the zone and just being myself and knowing myself as a hitter, I think that would be my greatest asset. What, uh, what are you most looking forward to uh, as you look for your sophomore season? Like what, what are you trying to, to improve on or, or what, Kind of what, what what's your outlook for for 2020? I mean, for 2020, really, I, I'm I'm just thinking about the UNC Tar Heels playing in in Omaha. I mean, I I mean, I want nothing more than I mean, we got so close, and all the guys before us last year had told us like, oh, nothing. You're never going to experience something like playing in Omaha, and that's that's one feeling I I want to get to feel, and I would love nothing more than to share that with like these guys, these group of guys here for 2020. So I mean, that's really the only thing we do. I mean. That's why we go to practice every day. We have early lifts, and that's really ultimately where we're trying to get to. Absolutely. I'd, I have a couple more kind of light ones for you. Um, yeah. First of all, do you have walk-up music picked yet, and, and what's your process for picking walk-up music? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I actually have a walk-up song. It's from last year. It's called Welcome to the Party. It's by Diplo. I mean, I, I had one earlier in the year last year, and I switched it, and I switched it to this one, and... I was doing well, so I kept it. It was more like a superstitious thing. But, I mean, it's a song I love, so when you can use a song that you really like and you go up there, it gives you confidence. Uh, what is your, your go-to order at Chipotle? At Chipotle, I'm a big quesadilla fan. So I get chicken, cheese, rice, and then I really go all out. Like I put queso, guacamole on it, and then they heat it up and cook it. It's got to be a little crispy. I don't like it if it's like more just really biting into the tortilla okay a little unique there i like that Mm -hmm. uh you guys at unc of course have remy the uh the the dog that that uh you know helps out in all sorts of ways what uh what's your favorite thing that that remy's done while you guys have been at practice or, or during a game um i i think the the coolest thing is how he brings Gatorades to the umpires, and he'll also bring balls to start the game. So, they'll, they'll, uh, Terry Joe will put balls in a bucket, and he will hold like the handle of the bucket in his mouth, and he'll walk it up to the to the umpire before we play. And I think like just it's a cool way to start the game, and it's, it's different because umps probably don't get to do that every day, but when they come to UNC, they do. So it's really cool just like seeing Remy go out there and give him the balls to. Those are the balls that we get to play with for the game, so it's really cool. Yeah, it's definitely a different way to start a baseball game, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
And then UNC, Chapel Hill, it's a really cool place overall. Just what, what do you think is your, your favorite part of, of being a Tar Heel and going to school at Carolina? I think just how, just like the, the community around it, I mean, it's like, it's an open campus. So like you see so many different people around here and it's, you get different personalities. And I think like that's the best part because like you don't want to just be friends with like your athletes on campus and you really get all different types of people on campus to be friends with and it makes like social life like outside of school and outside or and outside of baseball um just a lot cooler like you don't want to, you're not just hanging up the same like couple of guys on the baseball team every day you get to go out and you just be a kid like and i think that's the best part about being at unc i have one more for you um yep. do you have a halloween costume planned or what was your favorite halloween costume growing up uh, I do have a Halloween costume. We're actually doing we do uh, skits for our team, and there's like judges, there's like winners and losers. Um, I'm actually going to be Doctor Evil, and one of my friends is going to be Mini Me, and we're going to do a Halloween skit. That is uh, that that I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun for everyone. Well, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we can win. Yeah, good luck with that. Aaron, thank you. Thank you. I, uh, you know, I'm going to be very interested in watching you and the Tar Heels in 2020, and I just really want to thank you for, for joining me here on the Baseball America College podcast today. Yeah, I, mean, I really appreciate it. Thank you for, uh, for choosing me to be on this. Uh, it's a real honor, and thank you again for the call. Thanks again to Aaron for joining us here today on the Baseball America College podcast. Joe, I know you weren't a part of that interview live, but you have had the opportunity to listen to it. And, and what kind of did you think uh, of what, what Aaron was talking about and, and what the, the Tar Heels have going uh, as we look towards 2020? Yeah, I was really impressed with a couple of things. One is I, the genuine the genuine way in which he talked about that, that trip they made um, and spending time at the orphanage and stuff like that. And, and it's one of the ways in which, you know, you'll never catch me necessarily being kind of a Pollyanna about, you know, things like the student athlete experience and stuff like that. Not because I'm a cynic, but just because, you know, I, you know, I just tend to not go over the top with stuff. But um, with that being said, I think one of the ways that, or one thing that I think I, I don't, uh, I don't give enough credit to is just how positive those experiences can be just from a life experience standpoint. And that's one of the things that college baseball and, and college sports in general, because baseball is not the only sport to, to allow these types of trips. Um, the, the kind of experiences that, that being a college athlete can afford you. I mean, that, that is kind of a once in a lifetime thing for a lot of people. And it's just kind of a cool life experience that to use his own words that he's going to remember for the rest of his life. And so that's really pretty cool. They were able to go down there and, and they played some baseball and that was great. And you, you spent some time talking about kind of the difference in baseball culture. And um, but, you know, to do a good thing and to be there to help people and to, to create a positive experience for the people in that town and, and for the team. Um, it's kind of a cool deal. And you could really hear in his voice that that meant a lot to him um, on the baseball side. You know, he talked a little bit about working on his defense, and that's something I'll be interested to see. I, I've long been someone who talks about how I think too often we just assume that you can just throw anyone over at first base and slap a glove on them, and then, you know, they can do a serviceable job, and, and they might be able to, you know, catch the routine throws and maybe find, you know, get a, a short hop pick or two. But there really is kind of a craft to playing first base, and he sounds like someone who's really kind of dedicated to that craft. He said, I didn't want to be the type of player who just – plays DH or kind of passively plays first base. I want to be, you know, he, what he was saying is he wants to be a well-rounded player. And to your point about him being a draft eligible sophomore, I think you and Carlos had him at, I think number 50 among the college prospects for, for 2020. And 
I think, you know, he, if he, if he can find a way to be, you know, someone that, that a team can see being a, a solid defensive first baseman, um, certainly that can only help. And, and these are boom times for college first baseman. I mean, Andrew Vaughn and Spencer Torkelson. So, um, you know, it's not necessarily there, there might have been a time when someone who's primarily a first baseman and a right handed first baseman that could be problematic. But if you can hit and Sabato can clearly hit, I think there's a way forward now. Um, certainly if he can become an average or solid average uh, defensive first baseman. And so I'll I'll be interested to see that that development as he goes along. And, you know, I, I looked back at his stats from the previous year and I was kind of impressed because he was someone I had my eye on coming into the season. I think everybody was high on him. Got off to a little bit of a slow start. And I looked and it turns out on on March 9th, which was the beginning of their series against Clemson, he was hitting 186 with one home run. Um, and that's, you know, wow, that's I did what is, not remember that at all. Yeah. Three basically, that's basically three or four weeks into the season. 186 with one home run. So it really kind of tells you the kind of tear that he went on for really the last 10 weeks or so of the season. Really, there was hardly anybody better in the ACC over the last two thirds of the season. So that's really impressive there. And I think hints at the fact that there could be a monster sophomore season coming. We'll have to see. I mean, the book is a little more out on him. You just never quite know. But uh, he put up huge numbers over what was essentially two thirds of a season because he, he, he did struggle out of the gate and put up what I perhaps the most productive freshman season at UNC since Colin Moran. I mean, I haven't gone back and really looked at it that, that no, hard, that's, but that's, that sounds about right. Yeah. So really looking forward to it. I'll, I'll echo everything you say about being excited to see uh, what he does and what the team does. You, you alluded to some of the, the turnover that UNC is going to deal with really on both sides. I mean, as frustrating as their rotation was at times, because you could see the talent and, you know, the raw tools were there. It often seemed like the rotation, you know, whether it was Delatry who struggled with injuries or Bergner and Baum, they just could felt like they could never quite put all those pieces together. But with that being said, now you lose two-thirds of that rotation, plus the questions about Delatry's health, on top of the offensive guys who are gone now. Uh, you mentioned a couple in Bush and then Ike Freeman, Brandon Martirano, guys like that. So uh, going to be some questions, but at this point, UNC is a program that, um, you know, you have to give a little benefit of the doubt, and certainly having a guy like Aaron Sabato in the middle of the lineup is a really good start on rebuilding it. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the thing about, you know, the, the defense is, is very interesting, and that was something that he was trying to work on last spring as well, and, you know, it just it didn't fully come together, but he has definitely been trying to work on that for probably about a full calendar year at this point. And so I, I think that that's very encouraging, uh, you know, from a player development standpoint, from a UNC standpoint, from a draft standpoint, everything that, that he is making that effort to, uh, you know, try and, and, and improve over at, at first base and, and not just be a one dimensional player and, uh, you know, UNC had Michael Bush there for, he was kind of at first base and then he played a lot of the outfield and that's not going to be what Sabato does. I, I love the the bit about him mentioning that he was a, a high school shortstop. I, uh, I, you know, I've seen players like that play shortstop. It's always a little hard to imagine when, when you like think of them as first baseman and then move them back to shortstop. But it's a new position to him and it does take some time to learn. And I, you know, it's going to be a, a big plus for, for everyone involved if he can take that jump uh, defensively. And then Carolina's in an interesting spot. We, we, you mentioned all the player turnover. We also can't forget about Robert Woodard leaving uh, to become the head coach at Charlotte. He did a really good job as a pitching coach uh, for UNC and, was a, a big part in UNC's analytic push 
you know, embracing a lot of the new technologies and the new ways of, of you know, measuring things and, and, and relating that to player performance. And, you know, I think that there, he's leaving the program better than he found it. But at the same time, last year's pitching staff never quite seemed to click, like you said. And so how's that now going to look? with Bryant Gaines as uh, as the new pitching coach and some new arms around. Um, if Gianluca Delatri can be healthy, that would obviously be a big uh, bonus for the Tar Heels, but Delatri's been banged up for the better part of two years now. You know, So what's that going to look like is is a bit uncertain. They have some very good other uh, pitchers to, to work with. Austin Love um, you know, was, was pretty good on the Cape. And, and then they've got guys. It's just a matter of, Who's going to step up and, and how are they going to piece it all together? But you're right. If you're starting with a guy who can hit the ball 430 feet off of the tee uh, at the middle of your lineup, you're, you're starting in a pretty good spot. Just want to echo what Joe said about the about what Aaron said uh, with the trip to the Dominican. Just what that can mean for for college kids is so important. And because student athletes rarely get the chance to study abroad, at least in baseball, I don't know how easy it is for some of the other sports to do it but you know it, in baseball it's virtually impossible at least for high-end players so to give them the opportunity to see another culture you know to experience a place like the dominican republic that is so different from everything that they've grown up around uh you know that that is one of the great things that college sports allows and um you know the 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 ability to to take those trips is you know it, it does require commitment from the administration they aren't cheap to take uh but the one the teams that can take it you know they they all talk about uh just the human side it's not like yes we talked with aaron about the baseball side but i had to get that out of him that that's not where his mind went and you know that's that's pretty typical i think of players and coaches that go on the, these trips that they go first to just the human scenes that they see, whether that's an, at an orphanage or, you know, just around, uh, you know, the, the field where when kids come to watch them play or, or whatever it is that the, the human interactions are often the paramount thing that, that people take away from those trips. And so the, the more players that get to experience that, the better. Uh, and so kudos to North Carolina for being able to do that this off season. And uh, I think it comes at a good time for them too, because it also gives you, you know, some more games, more practice times, more team bonding. And like we said, this is a bit of a transitionary year uh, for the Tar Heels. And and so any, anything like that, I don't know if that's exactly why Mike Fox went this year, but anything like that, um, you know, certainly will be beneficial to them on the field beyond the much more important off the field uh, aspects. So now uh, I mentioned before that we had some Halloween themed segment coming up. uh, And so what I like to do around this time of year is think up costume ideas that are related to college baseball. And this is especially important because a lot of teams across the country hold some sort of Halloween themed practice or event uh, for kids um, a lot of them practice in costumes. Sometimes they, they just have a Halloween event and invite the local kids to come around, And uh, but everyone's dressed up. So you see a lot of players and coaches this time of year, if you're looking at, at Twitter for your, your favorite teams, of them dressed up for Halloween. So 
Uh, I know it's a little last minute at this point, but if you are a player or a coach or even a fan, we have some ideas for fans too. We want to you know, give you some, some Halloween costume ideas. Uh, is that about the size of it, Joe? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is if you're waiting at this point, you haven't kind of uh, come up with something like we're we're trying to be like maybe a last resort for you. Hopefully, I, I know at least some of my ideas. I think you can put together. I try to think about things you could put together pretty quickly because you know, like Teddy, I've not always been the best about really thinking about these things weeks and months ahead of time. So I, sometimes I've I've scrambled before. I forgot about a Halloween party I'd been invited to, and, and here I am trying to figure it out a couple of days before. So I can empathize with that. So yeah, I've got some that are a little more involved, some that are a little bit simpler. Uh, so maybe the more involved ones are a next year thing. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully we can provide a little bit of a service here. Yeah, so I want to start with, uh, you know, last week on the podcast, we had Michigan coach Eric Bakich, and we talked about Kenny Chesney and just how uh, how much that, that got related to the to the run of this 2019 team uh, to the to the World Series. And so, I mean, really, for any Wolverine, any Michigan fan, uh, for a Michigan fan, I guess you could go as one of the players in their cowboy hats uh, that they all got at the Kenny Chesney concert, but I would just hope that one Wolverine, I don't care if it's a player, coach, whoever, somebody in the Michigan program needs to dress up like Kenny Chesney this week. That's, I mean, that's a pretty good one too, just because I think that one's easy to relatively easy to pull off. Cause he's got a, like most country singers kind of have a generic look to them. And I, that's not, I don't mean that, you know, to disparage them. I'm just saying that's kind of the, the way it is. You need cowboy hat and boots and jeans, but Kenny Chesney has a look. Right. Like, you know, he's got the cowboy hat that's not like your typical cowboy hat. He's usually wearing a tank top. Um, so, yeah, I think that one's a pretty easy if you could even put a bald cap on, you know, to kind of make you look bald. I mean, that's even better. So that, that one I'm with you. I think that one is a good combination of like topical from a Michigan standpoint and also pretty easy to pull off. All right, Joe, what uh, hit me with one of your ideas. OK, so one of the things I would like to see. From so I've got two categories here. I've got some group big group costumes, and then in my individual costumes category, I've got some baseball related ones. So I'm going to go with my my group costumes first. So these are maybe more future ideas. But one thing I want to see from these Halloween games is more continuity on the costume. So like I don't know how the you know when they play a Halloween scrimmage, like how the teams are are divvied up or all that. So you know obviously that's a that's a variable here, but. I think it could be fun if you could have like very distinctive. So team A is dressed as such and such and team B is dressed as this. So I was thinking like a video game theme and I'm not a vi- big video game guy, but this is motivated by a former job I had that, 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 that the office was very into Halloween. And so every department would kind of go all out. Um, but the one that impressed me most was they all went as Mario Kart characters. And it was really pretty easy to pull off. They took cardboard boxes that could fit around their bodies and they cut the flaps off of them. And then they just affixed uh, suspenders to the cardboard box. I'm not sure how they did that, if they just stapled them on or what they did. And then basically they wore the cardboard boxes as their as their car. So they put little wheels on on the cardboard boxes and they put a little cardboard steering wheel in the box. And then they just dressed as, you know, Mario and Luigi and Peach and Yoshi and Toad. The great thing about Mario Kart 2 is there are a lot of characters, especially in the the newer versions of the game. So you really have no limit to how many. Uh, well, there is a limit, obviously, but, but <laughs> a, not that you will not run out of characters if you're splitting your team into two, at least into two halves. So um, but then on the other side, you could do Super Smash Brothers, popular game. I know even young people today, even though that game has been out for a while, I know several 
people who are of college age who are still very into playing Super Smash Brothers with with their friends. So that one might be uh, kind of a similar thing. And some of the characters cross over in that game, but not all of them. So you know, you could do like a Mario Kart versus Smash Brothers uh, Halloween game. Uh, so a little takes a little more pre planning. So not not a 2019 idea, but um, I guess this is partially a suggestion and partially a call for you know let's see a little more continuity in the Halloween game on the costumes the teams are using. I will say, during Halloween games, I always appreciate uh, the players that are wearing costumes that in no way they can play baseball in and yes. how hard they try. Like, there's, uh, I don't remember where it was. I mean, I'm sure this happened in multiple places last year, but, you know, those inflatable dinosaur suits or whatever. Yep. Uh, and, like, there's, you can't, you can't take an at-bat in that. But I saw players trying, and I very much appreciated that. Yeah, there's, like, no peripheral vision in those whatsoever. No. So you like you're just you're you're like turning your body like do you remember Tony Batista the guy who used to play for the Orioles who like his batting stance was that he would like he was standing with his feet like pointing at the pitcher and then would close his stance as the pitch you almost have to do that to see the ball in one of those if you're taking it at bat <laughs> and like getting on the mound and something like that yeah I mean you're not doing it effectively. yeah so right. like I I appreciate all of the effort that those kids go through to try and go through the baseball activity while wearing something that completely restricts your vision or mobility or both. Yes. All right. So you're going to have to help me a bit on this, Joe, because you've seen Illinois this year already this fall. So first of all, is there a candidate on the team to grow a Lovey Smith beard? If you haven't seen Lovey Smith, Illinois football head coach, since he's no longer the coach of the Bears at Illinois, he has really let the beard go, and it is, it's is—it's splendorous. So is there anyone on the team that you think could maybe grow that? Again, not a in-the-next-three-days situation. <laughs> sure. <but> like, <laughs> sure. Well, it's a pretty clean-shaven group of guys, at least from what I could tell. So I don't know what the capabilities are there, but I look at guys that have like a little, a little bit of long hair going because I feel like, you know, if you can grow now, this would not be an example for me because I can no longer grow hair on top of my head. However, I, I do usually have some kind of facial hair. Um, but typically, if you're able to grow hair kind of on your head pretty well, it suggests that maybe you could grow it, you know, on your face, at least to a certain degree. So I look at a guy like Jimmy Burnett, two way player. Uh, he's got some some lettuce going on in his his profile picture. So that's uh, that's kind of where I'd go first. But the great thing about beards typically is I don't think you necessarily have to grow it yourself to be able to pull this off. If you can get kind of a fake. Now, um, the thing about Lovey's beard is it does have some gray in it and some of his more natural colors. So it is kind of striped, but you know, if you can just get like a regular black beard, you can find some way to put some color in it. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, you can get some of that just for men, you know, that the little <laughs> hint of gray or whatever, and put that in there. I mean, I assume just for men would still stick to, uh, fake hair. I don't know why it wouldn't, but, um, but yeah, that, I mean, so I think it's something I don't think they, Illinois should feel restricted by the ability to whether or not they can grow facial hair. I think you could just go with a, with a fake beard there. And I think it's you put a hoodie on because, you know, Lovey's always wearing a hoodie. You put a hoodie and a knit cap on with a beard. And I think you are Lovey Smith. I mean, I would I would be very much in favor of just seeing Dan Hartlib like this if none of the players want to take this on. Yeah, I, same here. Absolutely. Uh, my first one, uh, this is a kind of a deep cut. But if you're someone who maybe grew up in the New York area or, you know, so I'm looking at you, St. John's guys. Um, you know, if you're someone who's from that part of the country, I think this one will resonate with you. I'd like to see a Bobby Valentine, but not Bobby Valentine just in general. Oh, I mean, Bobby Valentine. Sacred Heart. 
where he's uh, where where he's the the athletic director. Oh, that's right. See, look at that. I'm looking at you, Sacred Heart. There we go. Um, but not not just general Bobby Valentine. I'm talking about that one time he snuck back onto the Mets bench with like the the fake glasses and mustache because that that costume works on two levels because you're you're dressed as Bobby Valentine, but Bobby Valentine in that instance was also wearing a costume in a way. So I, that's like a multi-layered costume there. So that's that's one. Um, the other, this one's near and dear to my heart as someone who grew up in Houston. Um, the 90s Astros were really, groundbreaking is probably not the right word, but were really big on the super stereotypical 90s goatee. So if you like look at pictures of Jeff Bagwell and Ken Caminiti from like 1999, uh, you will see what I mean. They had the really just the really long ones. I think that would probably be pretty easy to recreate, kind of with the with the goatees there. The last one that's kind of at least in part facial hair related is this is speaking of deep cuts, really deep cut. But if you're someone who uh, St. Louis Cardinals fans, or your maybe your your folks are uh, Al Raboski, who was a relief pitcher for the Cardinals uh, a couple decades ago. They called him the Mad Hungarian, and he was kind of like John McEnroe, but for baseball at the time. Um, there was a reason he had that nickname, but he also had a very distinctive mustache later in his career. And still, as an announcer with the Cardinals, he still has a mustache kind of like that. It's not quite the same, but uh, he played for the Cardinals during those like powder blue days so i think it's a really distinctive costume and, and a deep cut to go with an al raboski cardinals costume so uh you know for someone like mizzou uh you know where you you, you probably your parents probably saw al raboski and talked about al raboski and you grew up watching cardinals games where he was an announcer and they'd show little clips of him that might be one that resonates a little bit there but i think that's another one that i think would be pretty simple to put together yeah, that's uh, that is absolutely a deep cut, but I I really like the the Bobby Valentine one. Uh, the the levels on it are are they're they're very strong. I have for a couple of years now really wanted John McCormick at FAU to dress up like Lane Kiffin. Uh, I know the Lane train maybe has lost a little bit of momentum since it first rolled into Boca, uh, but I am the FAU does this every year and John McCormick dresses up every year and I'm still just waiting for, for a lane train. Uh, I think last year um, McCormick might've been a friar if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, but I, I would, you know, the, the lane train is, uh, is a real thing. And uh, so John McCormick as Lane Kiffin would, would be pretty outstanding. Again, I, I might've liked it a little more two years ago, but as long as Lane Kiffin is at FAU, I'm going to, going to be for this, this idea. Yeah, and Max kind of the right guy to do. I mean, he's got a good sense of humor, and like he already dresses up, so I think he's he's a good candidate uh, for something like that. And that might be the best combination of, you know, baseball coach dressing up like his school's football coach that there is would be John McCormick as Lane Kiffin. I mean, obviously we we can't sit here and go through all of them, but that that strikes me as at least probably being in the best like five percent of possible combinations. I mean, I think it. I I, I think you're probably right that it's probably the best i mean dan hartlib is lovey you know we've already mentioned that and that jumps out but like you know back at just harbaugh uh would certainly be high on the list but you know when you think about some of these other football coaches right now there aren't a whole lot of like super distinctive looks going on i feel like you know i mean like saban and Dabo, like they don't really have like looks lincoln riley i mean what does lincoln riley wear on the sideline I, i couldn't tell you and like while Paul Maneri as Ed Ogeron would be outstanding, like Ed Ogeron looks pretty normal. It's just the voice you got to do. And I don't know if Paul has that in him, but if Paul does have that voice in him, 
I would love to see Paul Maneri as Ed Ogeron. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that's one where it's uh you know, it kind of devolves into parody, you know, with uh, <laughs> trying to trying to pull off uh, Ed Ogeron's Ed Ogeron's voice. I guess also Todd would it, or no, Mike Gundy. Is is Mike Gundy still wearing the mullet? Because if Josh Holiday wanted to to break out the mullet, yeah. Uh, I would I would be in favor of that as well. Yeah, that would be uh that that's what I, I thought you were going with with Todd Whitting a similar thing with Dana Holder. I was, but is Dana is Dana doing the hair thing this year? I I haven't watched any. That's a good question. That's a good question. I haven't I haven't either. So, but that's 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 one we can table that one. That's another possibility for sure. So I kind of had like the you know the the '90s Astros were notorious. That's probably just one kind of near and dear to my heart, but. I think there's possibilities of like kind of the Bash Brothers A's, you know, you could do like a Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco thing. And this very well has been done, perhaps. But I feel like if you cut off some sleeves on like the, the or just had the vest style A's jersey without the sleeves on. And, you know, Mark McGuire, speaking of long hair, he, that was back Arizona in the State is crying out for this one. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I, there's there's yeah, that's definitely a contender there. I, I just think it's, you know, it's I think even people who you know, uh, you know, I didn't grow up with the Bash Brothers A's, but like I, they were iconic and that's still I mean, kind of an iconic There's a Lonely basically. Island video about them right now. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there you go. There's the, there's the peg for the younger, for the younger kids out there. But, but that's one that I think is just begging to be done. And, and maybe if you're a you know, Northern California kid, it, it maybe hits a little home for you. But, um, but yeah, that's, I think that's just one that, um, I think it's one that needs to happen. Yeah. Speaking of Arizona state, um, I really want Spencer Torkelson to dress up as uh, anyone from the Narnia movies. I'll leave it up to him because uh, in one of my favorite college baseball moments of the season was he hit a home run. Eric Burns was calling the game at Cal and the ball kind of disappears over the, the building just past uh, left field there at Evans Diamond. And Eric Burns is absolutely blown away by how far Torkelson has hit this ball and he suggests that me that the ball. I, I believe it's where'd it go? Maybe it went to Narnia, and uh, that was. I mean, it's like the greatest home run call possible. And so, anything that Torkelson can do to embrace that, uh, I, I fully support. That would be pretty meta. That'd be a good costume because that would be like a really like you'd have to know. Which those are my favorite costumes. I mean, I know I'm kind of maybe unique in that, but I, I kind of like the costumes where if you don't know, you'll you. You aren't really sure what's going on, but if you know, you know, and you're really into it. That's my favorite type of costume. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm here for that as well. Um, but yes, if you, if you're looking for a more basic costume, Spencer Torkelson, just go as Mark McGuire. He's a NorCal kid, although I, right. I guess he was a Giants fan. Uh, so Barry Bonds also on the table. I don't know if the the earring can be done. But, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, he had the dangling earring. Brian Wilson, <laughs> if you're a Giants guy, Brian Wilson. I mean, if you went to Giants games as a kid like six, seven years ago, like chances are you probably still have one of those giveaway Brian Wilson beards in your childhood bedroom. Or like a Barry Zito. I, I would I think that would be funny. Oh, with a guitar slung over your back. Yeah. That's that's the Barry Zito costume, yeah. Gotta gotta grow the hair out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, good ideas. Man, Northern California baseball is really <laughs> just kind of a treasure trove of costume <laughs> ideas, as it turns out. Uh, my last one is pretty simple, and I think it's a classic one. That's Harry Carey. Um, I mean, goodness, the glasses and, you know, the, maybe the little white hair. And um, that's just such a, you know, if, if you know baseball, you know Harry Carey. And I know me living in the Midwest right now, I'm kind of, you know, I see and hear about Harry Carey a lot more than I did certainly when I lived in, in Texas. But with that being said, I think it's recognizable. I know Will Farrell has probably given Harry Carey, like, 
um, a little bit more shine than, than he would have otherwise, just because his impression of, of Harry Carey was, was so iconic on SNL. Um, so that, that has probably helped in that regard, but I think it's just one that, uh, you know, folks would get, it appeals to all age demographics. I think everyone would be in on that joke. Uh, certainly would, um, would be something that, uh, I think everybody would appreciate. Absolutely. And I, the last one, you know, we see a lot at, in almost any Halloween scrimmage, there is a player dressed as his head coach. I would like to see that flipped and see the head coach dressed like a player. I mean, the obvious one here is Chris Limonis as Jake Mangum, who I understand is now a former player. But like that one springs to mind. But any coach can can do this because there will be some kid dressed like you. And if you can find out beforehand who that kid is going to be and then dress like him, I mean, that would be that would be perfect. That's perfection. Absolutely. That's like, yeah, that's that's the next level next level thing. And it's certainly somebody would be able to give you that Intel, like talk to one of your captains and see if he can ask around, you know? Yeah. I mean, um, the manager has to know, right. One, one of the managers. Has yeah. To. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. No, that would be great. So yeah, certainly uh, I, I would love to see that. That's, um, that's really fighting fire with fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you guys have any uh, good college baseball um, related costumes that you're wearing or that you're seeing that your team uh, is wearing at one of these scrimmages or events, uh, we would love to, to, we would love it if you let us know. Probably the best way to do that is to tweet us. I am at Ted Cahill. Joe is at Joe Healy BA. Uh, and if you send in some good ones, I mean, I'll definitely hit the retweet button uh, and maybe we'll talk about them next week. Uh, some of the best ones we've seen from around the country. Uh, and next week we will be back here with another edition of the Baseball America College podcast. Uh, we will be speaking with Cal Poly coach Larry Lee. Should be a good interview with him. Always fun stuff when, when, uh, when you can talk with Coach Lee. So we're, we're excited about that one. So make sure you are subscribed to the Baseball America podcast on all any of your favorite podcasting apps, be that Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, um, Spotify, you can find us in, in, in all of those places and more. Uh, and if you can rate or review us on that app, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Also remember, Head of the Class out later this fall, Baseball America's new college baseball book. And if you've just listened to me and Joe run through some Halloween ideas for college baseball, you will definitely like this book uh, because you are a true college baseball nerd. Uh, and the book is available for pre-order at store.baseballamerica.com. I want to thank Joe. I want to thank Aaron Sabato. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back here next week with another edition of the Baseball America College Podcast.